0: Hello, and welcome to the BCA LCA study, Holy Holy. Last week, we kicked off our study by looking at how God's holiness is a unique and special thing, not because it exists, but because in existing, a holy God still cares deeply about his relationship with us. Now, we will be kicking off our first part of a three-part study of the phrase, Be Holy as I am Holy. A recurring idea throughout the book of Leviticus as God establishes the law of the Israelites and shows them, and us by proxy, what holiness looks like. Part 1 will be called Celebrating Holiness as we look at how God used holiness as a means by which the Israelites celebrated what God had done. Part 2 will be called Fish Out of Water and focused on how holiness is the best way to live. And Part 3 will be called Holiness and Grace. Which will show how God intended for our holiness to point back to Him. Let's dive in. On the weekends, I work part time at a ropes course, and I love every minute of it. My favorite thing to do while I'm working there is run the zip line. The site that I work at has three quarter mile zip lines that, in order to access, you have to climb up a cargo net. Once you get up there, you're 75 feet off the ground, and for me, it's awesome. The climb takes your breath away, and once you finally get to the top of the net, the view leaves you breathless all over again. I love standing up there while waiting for the next group to climb up. Usually, a breeze blows over the tower, and I find myself standing there and just soaking it all in. Some of the moments that I remember most fondly in my life are standing at the top of that zipline tower. Often, though, that peace is broken by the startled cry of a participant who just got to the top of the tower and now wants to get down as fast as they possibly can. Where I could just sit at top of this tower and watch the whole day pass away, these people feel the exact opposite. Every second they spend up there is a second longer than they ever wanted to be there. Once they zip, I ask them about the experience, and I get a lot of, I never want to do that again. I totally understand where they're coming from. As much as I love being up there, it makes sense that someone else would hate it. Sometimes, though, I think that's how we approach holiness. I'm glad you love that kind of stuff, they say, but it's not for me. Now, I'm not a historian. I'm not qualified to speak into where our distaste for holiness came from with any degree of certainty. But if I had to take a guess, it would be a long history of holiness becoming synonymous with legalism. People began saying holier than thou and meant it as an insult. When I was in college, one of my roommates grew up in a holiness movement. He spent a long time thinking that things as simple as going to a movie were sinful. In in the song, Holy, by Frightened Rabbits, the singer proclaims, I'm done being holy. I think I'm just full of holes. Pursuing holiness can be seen as exhausting and stressful in today's society. This is heartbreaking because as we'll soon see, this is far from how God wants being holy to look. As I mentioned in the introduction, today we're going to focus on celebrating holiness. And when I say this, I don't mean celebrating the idea of holiness, but how living a holy life is framed as a celebration. To properly understand this and how God planned for holiness to be a celebration, we need to look no further than Leviticus 23 which lists the religious feasts that Israel was expected to hold throughout the year. The first day the people are told to observe is the Sabbath. Since God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, the expectation was the same for Israel. They were commanded to rest and gather. Life is hectic. I know that for each of us there seems to be something new every single day that gets thrown on us and can drag us down. God knows that too. In response to the craziness of life, God ordained a holy day of rest and, in doing so, makes it clear that part of holiness is resting in God. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Contrasted against the obsessive and exhausting adherence to rules that holiness usually brings, God says that part of what it means to be holy is to pause and relax. In the same way, that God used the Sabbath to enjoy the good work that he had done, God calls us to do the exact same thing. Pause, rest, and enjoy the work that I have done. And, by doing this, be holy. After the Sabbath, God lays out six feasts the Israelites were called to celebrate annually. Passover, first fruits, weeks, trumpets, atonement, and booths. All of these were set apart as holy days, or as we might call them today, holidays. Reading through Leviticus 23 makes it clear that these holy days are meant to be days of celebration, commemorating what God has done for the people of Israel. Passover is a story I'm sure that all of us are familiar with, recognizing how God delivered the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Celebrating it would always call to mind that God is a God who is concerned primarily with redemption. First Fruits recognizes that the harvest they have gathered comes from the land that God promised to their ancestors and helps them understand that God is a promise keeper. Weeks recognizes God as a provider of all good things, not just the land they dwell in, but everything. Every year they would celebrate and reflect they belong to a good God who delights in giving blessings? The next feast that God outlines for them is the feast of trumpets, clocking in at three verses. It is the shortest of the prescribed festivals, and based solely on the passage in Leviticus 23, we have very little context for what this celebration focused on. In his article on the festival, Lev Lay pointed out that there is a historical connection to be drawn between the trumpets blown here in Leviticus 23 and the trumpets blown in Exodus 19 and 20. Exodus 19, 16 through 19 says, When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. In Exodus, the trumpets were the call to enter into a covenant with God. As Israel progressed through its history, this feast would always have served as a reminder that Israel is a people who belongs to God and his covenant. To quote Lay, this cataclysmic event was to be stamped indelibly upon the memory of the people of Israel. Every year at the Feast of Trumpets, those same sounding trumpet blasts reminded Israel that they were a people under a covenant, a nation who had accepted the responsibility of being God's people. By doing so, the nation also prepared herself for the Day of Atonement, eight days later, when they would repent and find atonement for all they had done to break this covenant. Following the Feast of Trumpets is the Day of Atonement. This feast gets a more detailed explanation in Leviticus 16, but the name should indicate its purpose, atonement. The high priest went through a series of complicated rituals that culminated in the sins of the entire people of Israel being forgiven. Leviticus 16.30 summarizes the passage nicely when it says, Then, before the Lord, you will be clean from all your sins. Every year, the people get to celebrate forgiveness shortly after they celebrate the covenant. When God established the covenant with Israel, he claimed, I will be your God, and you will be my people. Israel continuously failed at being God's people, but he was always faithful to be their God. The Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Atonement was a call to remember God's goodness, even in the face of our failings. The final feast that God prescribes is the Feast of Tabernacles. Tabernacle comes to us from the Hebrew word for dwelling place or presence. To celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, celebrated that God was in the midst of his people. In the context of every other day, they have acknowledged about God to know that this redeeming, promise-keeping, gracious, covenant-making, and forgiving God dwelt in the midst of his people must have been a powerful reminder to guide the Israelites toward all that he calls them to be. Remember that He is here, and remember all the things that He does for you. What an amazing call these people experienced every year. Every one of these festivals involves resting, gathering in public, and recognizing what God has done. Over and over throughout this series, I will be emphasizing how the call to be holy begins with a proper understanding of the holy God who gives us that call in the first place. God outlined these feasts and instilled in each of them an expectation of holiness through observing the day. Holiness is so much more than strict adherence to a law that causes stress or frustration or shame. Part of holiness is celebrating. It is celebrating the God who makes that path to holiness possible. The God who has modeled holiness for us, gave us redemption, a covenant, his presence in every good and perfect gift stands in the center of our call to be holy. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus frames entering into the presence of God like coming to a feast. There's nothing to get right beforehand, no standard for who does or does not get invited. Instead, God declares that there is a seat at the table, and He is saving it just for you. This is the beginning of holiness. No laws, no rigor, no stress, nothing but the goodness of a loving God and a redeemed people who are allowed to bask in his glory.